Hi everyone, Air here. Are you ready to start getting what you deserve? Be magnetic, be able to sleep again, have a healthier lifestyle, make more money, or how about having a healthy relationship? You are going to love this. I just launched the Polarity Masterclass. So if you're ready to step into your power, it's finally time. Step into your greatest chapter and start achieving more with less effort. Because if you feel like you deserve more, then you probably do. Sign up for the Polarity Masterclass through our website or find me on Instagram at Air Kramer and get started today. Limited availability and it's just around the corner. Until then, as always, thank you for healing and growing with me today. Hi everyone, Air here. And today I have a very uplifting episode that's going to teach you about emotional and spiritual boundaries. With me, I have Nick. He's an expert in this field and I've been kind of stalking him a little bit on Instagram to learn about my own relationships and how I empower others around me. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to explore a topic where I feel like so many young men and women just don't get it and they trip up and they get super frustrated. Do you feel like this is part of your experience too? Well, life is full of awkward, uncomfortable moments. And sometimes people treat us in ways that we don't want to be treated. And it, it brings up a lot of difficult feelings. So uh, these are normal kind of challenges that people face. And um, that anxiety, that frustration, that anger, uh, discomfort that a person might feel, you know, and there's varying extremes to, you know, these things. The intensity of certain feelings can be different. But um, we all struggle with difficult conversations. We all struggle with boundaries. And the closer a person is to us, if they're family or they're a romantic partner, sometimes the, the harder it can be. The word boundaries. It's like the B word. I feel like this word <laughs> just has recently came up in like the last three or four years. As like psychotherapists or people really interested in psychology and relationship coaches, we've known about this word forever, right? But it really got popular like three or four years ago for everyone else and people that are trying to improve their relationships, whether family or love life. So for everyone that's still trying to figure it out, and I'll even throw myself included, this podcast is for me too. How do you define boundaries? Well, I think of boundaries as personal limits. They are kind of rules that we set for ourselves in relationships. And that's not just romantic, but we might have work relationships, uh, relationships with our community or colleagues, or even we, in our mind, in our body, we sense and feel our own boundaries when we go to a gathering or a networking event and we're talking with people. You know, there's things in those moments that are going to make us feel, mm, this is not okay with me. Um, you know, this hug is too long. This question is too invasive. I find that comment inappropriate. You know, it's those um, reactions that we have, those feelings that we get, that also start to inform a bit of our 
our boundaries. So if we're good with boundaries, we say no when we need to. And uh, we're also comfortable opening up when we want to. Um, we're, we're kind of powerfully self-expressed if we have excellent boundaries. Mm. And then is it possible for boundaries not to be verbal-based, that they are also more action-oriented too? Absolutely. Can you give me an example of what you might be thinking about? <laughs> so I'm thinking of some current relationships I have and there's been boundaries where I'm like, okay, it's really simple whenever somebody like calls you a name or accuses you of something that's just not in your character or it's just like outlandish. But I feel like it gets kind of hazy when it comes to actions, especially in romantic partnerships where something's not moving at the right pace for somebody, mm. like maybe too fast or too slow. There's always like the moving in conversation. There's the how much time do we spend together conversation. And I know a lot of like attachment style is part of that as well. So I'm curious as far as like action oriented of like, no, I don't want to go here or this is too fast. It's still a verbal, you know, boundary, but it's more about the action that you don't want to take yet. So what you're saying is that maybe someone is, uh, in that example, pushing things along or moving the pace really fast, faster than you'd like to go. And there's something that's out of alignment there for you. Mm. Um, you know, I think that in terms of no, no matter how, how this registers for you. So maybe we can take a step back and just say, we've all got a personal domain. Uh, I believe that everyone has a right to their personal domain and what's in that circle what's in that domain is your feelings how you know your body how you're related to your values and beliefs and there's something about that domain that also forms limits you know about how you're related to how fast the pace of the relationship goes um you know how long we spend together on a first date or if we're in a long-term relationship, how much time we spend together every day or every week. Sometimes these things are not actually talked about. There isn't an intentional conscious conversation. And what's happening is that we're just going through the motions and we're just trying to calibrate and deal with and manage our stress. Sometimes we're managing these misattunements that our partner doesn't know what we need. And we're, we're quietly wrestling with this in our own mind and struggling to communicate about it. So I, I my experience is that if we have excellent boundaries, we, we're also communicating about that, that we need to verbally express uh, what we want. And there's a couple ways to think about that. If we want to really be close to people, if we want to have really wonderful, aligned, exciting, nourishing relationships with others, um, they are either going to really just understand our boundaries or we're going to have to let them know. And when people respect that and they get that and they understand that, it allows us to be closer to them. If we don't want people in our life, we might not have to have ongoing boundary conversations with them. We maybe can just take a step back. And I wonder if that's part of what you're alluding to when you talked about um, you know, verbally expressing these things or communicating them. Is, is there another way to set boundaries 
and sometimes taking a step back or withdrawing your energy and not communicating about it is also an appropriate choice um, or appropriate action for the situation. I love that because some people would call that avoidance, but you're saying mm. there's a sense of like, no, this is healthy. I've tried to express my way and perhaps it's time to withdraw some energy, which is definitely more of a, I would say, spiritual boundary than an emotional boundary. Well, I think it could show up in different ways and waiting, taking a breath, taking a step back is not always a choice that comes from a place of wounding. It's not always about an attachment wound. It can just be that, hmm, I don't have enough information. I need to take a step back from the situation and consider more about what I want, what I need, whether this is a, a dynamic or a relationship that's really important to me and I want to be closer to this person or if, you know, something just off here and I'm going to take a step back just to see how that feels. Um, I think that's sometimes part of the process. Boundaries are not always this direct, explicit, direct, you know, kind of communication with someone. Um, and sometimes we need to explore a little bit, uh, tr try new ways, try new strategies. Um, there's, there's a big distinction between somebody being or behaving in a way that crosses our boundary and this person is doing it not realizing that they are so maybe one of your friends for example um, they can be critical or negative or they could be unsupportive of your goals um, they can maybe be a little bit pessimistic or cynical and it can feel hurtful to you sometimes if you're sharing about your dreams and you don't feel like you know your friend really supports you uh, in some of your efforts or they put you down they might not realize that they're doing it they might be making what i would call a boundary error which is very different than someone who has been told and and you know you've explained to them hey this behavior is really hard it's hurtful for me and i want to let you know that and you know i don't think you have any bad intent but this is just how it feels and what i'd really love and my intention for our relationship is this you know, once you've had a conversation with somebody like that and they demonstrate that they understand, and then the next week they do the same thing again, they get negative with you. It's like they totally forgot about the conversation. They're putting down your aspirations. That's more of like a boundary violation. And that becomes a more uncomfortable, difficult, and painful thing when you really, now I just feel really unseen, unheard, totally understood. And maybe that this person is not able maybe it's not within their capacity to actually relate to me in the way that i would love them to mm. that's a difficult moment i would say so and i i'm definitely going to explore that one with you but you just blew my mind with a couple of these terms and now i'm curious the scientist in me is like is there any more terminology i should probably know my vocabulary but you mentioned a boundary error you mentioned a boundary violation. Is there any other type of boundary within there that I should probably know about before I can go further and asking? Well, there probably are many different terms to describe boundaries. There's some really amazing authors and um, people that have contributed to this space around our personal domain. What what you know? What kind of rights do we have? Like, what's our 
baseline as human beings, how can we better think about these situations? Um, I like boundary error and boundary violation because it helps us better understand what's an accident, um, what's like a little bit of an oops kind of moment where a person is unaware, ignorant, um, just isn't in touch with how something makes us feel. And then when something happens repeatedly and you know they are aware, we've made them aware, we've made it clear that this thing is inappropriate. Um, I think that's just a really helpful and simple distinction. And as we talk today, uh, hopefully there are other ideas that might blow your mind or, or <laughs> your audience. And uh, you know, um, we're gonna get there, I'm sure. Definitely. I am curious with boundaries. It's so rigid sounding, but you made it very fluid. And I believe that there is people in our lives that can kind of push our boundaries, but they have very good intentions as far as helping us grow or heal or move forward. I feel like this is commonly found in like therapy, but also maybe in a healthy dynamic between like a parent and a child. So would you say that boundaries are always bad to be able to like impact or do you think that it can be good sometimes to push someone's boundaries? I don't feel that pushing someone's boundaries is generally a good thing. Um, in the context of growth work, there's different thoughts on this. For example, we hear or understand models about comfort zones and getting out of your comfort zone and trying something new, um, expanding your awareness, learning about things you don't know, trying things in a new way. And that's very different than one's own personal limitations um, and what they're interested in, what they want. So I think really we actually need to be more curious about others and more curious about ourselves, maybe we ask more questions. Maybe we seek more consent. Maybe I think that I want to do something nice for you, but I haven't asked if you would actually appreciate that. I actually haven't confirmed that this is something that's exciting and interesting to you. And there's different ways that this could show up. Like, I have this great intention. I'm going to come over and I'm going to clean your house or I'm going to wash your car for you or, um, you know, I'm going to do this grand gesture. And I'm thinking that I'm doing something so nice, but it actually turns out to be inconvenient for you. You're not comfortable with it. You don't want that to happen. Um, it's kind of a no for you in a certain way. And... This is, this is kind of part of that subtlety um, about boundaries is like it really exists within all of us in terms of where our limits are, what we're excited about, what we want and what we don't want. That starts to kind of um, almost bold this, this line if we, can, if we can even imagine a circle that says, okay, there's things that are okay, acceptable, good for me inside of that circle and then outside of it, huh, no, I don't want that. Um, I'm not interested in that. Uh, so, you know, the dynamics between parents and children and um, the dynamics between adults and other adults, it's very different because of some of the power dynamics and the, the role of the authority or the caretaker in the home. I personally 
look at these difficult situations or uncomfortable moments in my life as opportunities for growth. And that's my choice. That's my perspective. Um, that's my philosophy is that if I have a difficult character in my life, what is this moment? What is this person, uh, showing up? What do they represent for me in my mind? What can I learn? How can I work through this? How can I be a better communicator? How can I have a deeper, more empowered relationship to myself? And I would encourage, because it's worked for me, I would encourage other people to, you know, embrace that growth mindset. And I think anyone listening to this probably falls into that category of someone that wants to grow and be better and learn. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, crossing someone's boundaries, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. I don't want to be the kind of person that crosses other people's boundaries. I'd like to treat them in ways that they want to be treated. I recently read, and I think it was Biopsychology was the textbook, that you cannot actually cross someone's boundaries, that the only person that can impact your boundaries is yourself. Therefore, hey, air, I'm not blocking people out. They're not crossing over the wall to get to me. I haven't been able to put up my own wall to tell myself how far I'm willing to go. Now, for me, that sounds like a lot more accountability versus the world impacts me, I impact the world. Where do you fall on that? Well, I definitely encourage people to take full responsibility for their life and the things that are happening around them. But there are things that happen where we don't have a choice. There are things that happen to us. There are bad, bad things happen to good people. And when it comes to boundaries, uh, your boundaries can be violated even if you take responsibility for them, even if you're screaming no, that there are extremes like war and assault and theft where it's a no for you, you know that it is, but it's happening. And so I think, you know, these conversations are complicated because of all the different nuances and ways that this can happen. Um, and some of us are out of touch with our boundaries. Some of us have not been um, nurtured or taught that we have a right to say no without feeling guilty. Some of us have not been taught that we have a right to be treated with respect and that our needs are as important as other people's needs. Some of us have not been taught that it's okay to make mistakes and failures and it would benefit us to have compassion and acceptance for when that happens for us and when it happens for other people. And most children are not really taught that, you know, they have limits. For example, this is less popular now because people understand that there's no science that supports hitting children, but there are several generations that regularly spanked or hit their kids. And that was part of the parenting philosophy at, at the time and culture. You know, it still happens now all the time, but people understand more so that it just doesn't work. It doesn't do what you want it to do. It doesn't make your kids smarter. My point is that children learn that, oh, maybe I don't have a right to be touched in the way that I want, or there's no limits. Um, I'm, I don't have a, a right to say no. And in that dynamic, the parent is probably experiencing something they don't want to happen. 
Um, maybe the child's behaving in a way that they wish they wouldn't. Uh, it's a more sensitive situation because the parent is the, uh, hopefully the mature adult who knows better and can learn ways to actually attune to the child and be curious about them to meet their needs so that there's more harmony and, um, you know, alignment in the household. I'm not a parenting specialist and I don't have a kid. So I have to, uh, you know, add that here because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of compassion for parents. I hear a lot of stories with the couples I work with and some of the difficult things that they're dealing with. And I still think it's possible for us to try to nurture this culture, at least in our family, which is that, hey, we all have rights to say yes, to say no, and we can treat each other with acceptance. All of us have needs. And what would it be like if our family systems nurtured that and honored that and respected that? What kind of people would we become? You know, how would we grow up to be? And then how would we treat others? And how would that affect our community? How would that affect the world? I will also add that I am also not a parenting specialist. I'm a new aunt as of last November, but that is as close to childbearing that I have gotten so far. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I just had to like throw that in there for one reason or another. My ego was happy. Nonetheless, I want to get really nitty gritty on boundaries when it comes to wants versus needs. Like everything, there's a pendulum swing to it all. And in mm. some of the clients that I've been working with, I feel like they're replacing boundaries with things that they just desire or want and not necessarily like hard nose or needs for like safety or that comfort zone. How would you break that apart between this boundary isn't really a boundary, it's just something you kind of want and then this is actually like a hard no for you and this is your line? Yeah, that is such a difficult conversation because of the um, parts of ourselves that can come online, which are really fearful, scared, afraid, want to control the circumstances or prevent certain outcomes from happening. And we can create really rigid um, sort of extremes with our boundaries. And there can lack a little bit of, um, hmm, let's say, nuance or subtlety um, or clarity about what is really the most important thing. So everyone's in a different situation with this. I think about needs as my fundamentals and that, you know, my wants and desires are exaggerated in a sense. So for, for I'll give you an example. One of my boundaries is that just in my romantic relationship is that I need my partner to be financially responsible and mindful with how they manage their money. I need them to support and contribute to the household in certain ways. And so if my partner, for example, didn't work, didn't make any money, spent recklessly and had a gambling addiction, there might be a boundary violation or an error there for me, something I need to work out or discuss. Now, this is kind of a need. 
what I what I want or what I desire. Wow, man, I would love for my partner to be a successful entrepreneur and make millions of dollars a year at a, a job that she's passionate about. And we live this abundant lifestyle because of our contribution and um, us taking full responsibility for our life and being, you know, financially literate, etc. So there's exaggerations to this. There's, um, you know, new levels. And I suppose each person needs to decide what's really exciting to them. What is a, a, a want or a dream or a goal that they have versus, hey, in the moment right now where we're at, these are just some of the basic needs that I've got. And I don't know if that's enough of a, a distinction, but when, when we started this, we asked this question, you were speaking to like these really rigid, intense types of boundaries that people want to set, which can be all or nothing, sort of black and white. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on our relationships. I think it put a lot of pressure on our partner when we hold them to really, really extreme standards. And if they ever get it wrong or they ever mess up, that it's just like catastrophic or explosive. What is it like to put that kind of stress and tension on the relationship? What is it like to be in a dynamic like that? And both people would benefit from sensing that. It's like, okay, yeah, is this helpful? Or is this like, does it add more pressure and stress to our life together? And that is the art of it all, right? <laughs> I would say, Yes, we take a lot of boundaries in setting through our childhood and our experiences with our friends and our colleagues at work. But the people that really show us our boundaries, I think, are the romantic partners in our life, whether it's long term or you're still in the dating realm. And I'll even get a little bit vulnerable with you if you're okay with it, Nick. And I'll share. I'm here for it. A little bit of this rigidness because when you were saying it, I felt it all throughout my heart. <laughs> They're being spiritual, go like heart chakra. And that tension, because you know it, right? And that's energy-wise, I would say when you feel that tension in your body is when you know you're having a boundary violation versus a boundary error, I feel is like a little bit more mental. Like, okay, I recognize this. But I'll share a quick story. So I've been single for about a month now. But I was in a, I would say, almost six-month relationship. And when I first met this individual, we, quote-unquote, if you put the checklist in front of it, we checked every single box, right? And then the physical chemistry was there, the mental chemistry was there. Ideally, amazing relationship on paper. But there was one fundamental thing that was very different about us. Uh, mine was... Yes, I'm a spiritual being. I am very, I'd like to think, classy type of lady or old school traditional lady. And this person was way more open-minded and liberal in the sense of like sexuality. And this is where I feel like boundaries as far as being rigid come into play. So his previous, um, previous relationships were polyamorous or included playmates or included a lot of like just sexual exploration and I approach things as I approach in a therapeutic mindset or a Gemini mindset or just very open-minded 
of my way of living isn't the only way of living. And I've only been on this planet for X amount of years, having the experiences I've had. Who am I to say no to anything unless I go and learn about it? Okay. You with me, Nick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So when we started, first started talking, he did share this about me, but this was his previous experiences. And I told him, hey, that sounds very interesting, very different from what I've ever experienced. I've never been in polyamory. I've never been with any playmates. I've never like had that type of exploration in my life. I'm curious to learn about it, but I'm not going to say I want to participate in it. I prefer to be in a monogamous one-to-one relationship with no extras in that department, which I will (laughs) say, I love how you laugh there because you don't have to laugh about this, right? This is like a conversation you wouldn't necessarily have a hundred years ago. So, but I told him very clearly, it was like, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to start. You know, let me learn about this and we'll talk about it as we go. Right. Very open-minded. This is a very interesting place as a woman or a man. It could have been vice versa, right? Where you don't necessarily know where a boundary is because you've never explored a topic. Right. So. (laughs) This is where that fluidity comes into play. And the are we self-abandoning ourselves or is it self-sabotage? And I felt so much pressure in this relationship to say yes to this one area. And I'm not going to say I would have never got there, right? I was learning about it. I was kind of curious. I've been in relationships with females before, so it wasn't completely out of bounds for me. But... In this particular area, I needed to go at my pace, my boundaries, because the comfort zone that you were hinting at earlier, and you said it even more beautifully in a different terminology, it was slowly kind of fluid, trying to like figure out where it was at, right? And it wasn't until some of the other boundaries were being crossed, where I was not being spoken to as kindly, I wasn't being treated as nicely that I felt like, oh my goodness, this is a boundary of mine. Because now, why would you want to open up in those type of ways because of, you know, mistreatment in different areas? Or maybe just misconnection. Who knows, right? People are very interesting creatures at the end of the day when love life is involved. So my, I guess, story here is... How do you approach boundaries when, first off, it's a new topic or a new area? And then do you think, as a second part, that one boundary can kind of have a trifecta of affecting your other boundaries? (laughs) Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing the story about uh, what you went through there. And I was recently uh, in a workshop with... uh, person named Corinne from Sacred Center Yoga on Vancouver Island, British Columbia. And she talked about the spectrum of response. And to keep this in simple terms, yes, maybe, no, is like a spectrum of response. So when your partner or your dating partner says, yeah, I'm really like open-minded. In the past, I've had a lot of polyamorous relationships. 
I'm into this kind of play and this sort of arrangement. And, you know, you're listening to that and thinking, oh, I, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. I need to learn more. That's really this not knowing, you know, maybe I'm curious, but I, I, I don't know, like I'm kind of a maybe. And once you learn more information, once you feel into it more, maybe over time, as you become more attached to your partner, your response can start to feel a little bit different. It might start to shift more towards a no. It might be, uh, yes, but we need some limits. Or, yeah, this is awesome. Like, me too. Um, and it's interesting how our responses can change based on what we learn, based on how safe and connected we feel to our partner. Uh, we want what we want. So I wouldn't encourage people to um, self-sacrifice and abandon their needs. And I think, you know, you experience something that many people experience in dating situations, which is maybe they feel pressure for something to be okay, or there's something, there's a difference between you and the other person that, you know, maybe if I just put aside my feelings, or maybe if I just allow this to happen, that we can be together and there won't be anything that will affect our connection that, um, you know, I won't have to walk away from something that's actually quite good. And that gets people into a lot of trouble. And the compromises that we make in the very beginning can often lead to the relationship not working out or being in a very painful place. I have had experiences like this with my own partner where we agree that something is okay and then she realizes or I realize that we had made assumptions about what that meant. You know, when we, actually we didn't have a clear agreement. We didn't actually get into the details. And this is a really big deal for um, couples explore, exploring different things. So in terms of play, like, um, I don't know, going to a sex party or going to a strip club together or exploring some of these things that might be very adventurous, might be on the extremes for some people. It probably doesn't make sense for most couples to just jump right into the deep end if they don't have experience. It might make sense to take baby steps along the way and see how it feels. Is this a yes, no, or maybe? Um, you know, what do I need here? What do I like about this? What makes me uncomfortable? And trying to explore these areas together with a little bit of patience and slowness and questions. May I, can I, could we, would this work? Um, oftentimes a lot of these, these things just don't, these conversations don't happen. We can go into hinting. We can try to have a telepathic agreement with our partner or make assumptions and we can demand and we can manipulate and, um, that stuff just doesn't work, you know? Mm. I'm 100% agree. And I will caveat all of this with the fact of, you know, still a great person. There was a lot of love in the relationship. And I do believe that someone can love you and still be crossing your boundaries. 
with still loving you they just don't necessarily know how to respect you which i'm very mm -hmm. much you gotta have both to have a successful relationship and respect includes things like patience understanding having the hard conversations not avoiding you know not yelling all of these what i would say are basic healthy communication styles but get lost because boundaries alone just sounds so rough as a word. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I really like what you said there about respect and boundaries are a big part of that because we, we feel respected and we can make another person feel respected when we honor their boundaries, when we're curious about them, when we want to talk to them, touch them, treat them in ways that they want, in ways that are okay, you know, that there's consent. And uh, there's all kinds of things that consenting monogamous or non-monogamous partners do uh, to each other that they just don't realize like, oh yeah, I didn't even ask, or I just assumed, or I thought it would be okay because. Um, and hopefully those moments aren't uh, too hurtful or intense. And they're just subtle things that can be repaired, that, that couples can learn more about each other and grow from the experience. They can become wiser when they have these little oops kind of moments. And um, me and my partner know a lot about that. I love that. Because that was, like you did telepathically read my mind on where I was going next with this. So, Nick, there might be something there. <laughs> but... <laughs> I've got to say is if a relationship is truly founded on love, not desire, not want, what, not what can I get out of this type of thing, but pure love. I accept this person for who they are. They accept me for who I am. We want to be in partnership. Even if boundaries have been crossed in the past, and I would say even if the reactions or responses of the past were not positive, Let's say it did end up in a very, you know, fight or violent, not violent fight, no abuse allowed on this podcast. We will never encourage that. But let's say that it ended up in a fight or a breakup or distancing, avoidance, that that repair part comes into play. I feel like that's how we define our boundaries and kind of polish them. How do you suggest if a two people, doesn't have to be a couple, have extremely disagreed about something over, let's say, a few months or even a few years, it's ended up in many fights or in one solid fight of a breakup or, you know, they're not calling mom for three years, that type of conversation. How do you navigate boundaries and repair together, both in your personal relationship and then in any other type of circumstance that you can come up with? Well, I'll give a general prescription here, which could be helpful for many people because I've had many of my clients use this technique to discuss a range of issues, including, you know, issues around boundaries, um, you know, talking about difficult circumstances in their family system, denial of abuse, or maybe someone's coming out of the closet and they want to talk about their sexual orientation with their family or other personal matters. There's really 
um, a couple key steps. And if anybody wants this method, they can go to my Instagram. It's called Difficult Conversation Method. You can download it for free. It's in the links. I call it the Dyad Method, which is really about declaration, your intention, acknowledgement, and disclosure. And where this starts is making a commitment, making a declaration to yourself that you're going to approach this difficult conversation that you want to repair or you want to make amends or you want to make something clear in a certain way. And you might commit to yourself. You might commit to a friend, accountability partner, a coach, or someone in your life that supports you to say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do it at the, you know, within this couple weeks. Give yourself some time because just because you want to have a conversation doesn't mean it's going to happen right then and there. It might take a few days to find the right, the right spot. And the way I encourage people to start these conversations is with your intention. Why are you having this conversation? What are the outcomes that you want? Do you want a better relationship with this person? Do you want more peace and harmony? Do you want to be closer to them? Do you want something in particular to change? These are all, all things to consider. It's like, okay, what's the why? What's my intention here? What will be the best possible outcome from having this chat? And the next place I ask people to go is to acknowledge their fears, to take responsibility for the reasons why they haven't had this conversation for five years, to write down what consequences they're afraid of. What are the things that they don't want to happen? the outcomes that they don't want. And this is an important part of the process because you get an opportunity to take ownership for your role in the situation, for um, the part of you that maybe doesn't want to talk about it, that, that fears certain things, certain outcomes from happening. And I think that's an important thing because so far in my process, I haven't encouraged anyone to point fingers. I haven't encouraged anyone to shame, blame, or criticize the other. I'm just saying, hey, what's the intention? What's the best possible outcome? Can you take ownership for avoiding the conversation or feeling like it's really hard, you felt really stuck, you're just not sure what to say or how to say it, and that you have had these feelings for a period of time? And then can you make a disclosure? Can you share, hey, this is really, you know, what's hard for me. Here's the thing that I want to say that I haven't been saying. Here's what's really on my mind. Here's what's on my heart. And here's what I want you to know about me. This is just so important. You know, if we could follow a structure like that, this is just one way. There's different ways to have this conversation. I believe that we're really setting ourselves up for success. Now, some of the people that I work with will write this out. So they'll follow these prompts. Everything's like compiled in a PDF if people want the free download. So you follow the prompts, write everything out. You might write a letter. You might send that letter. You might print it out and meet up with the person and then read it to them. You might just rehearse this in your mind so you don't need the, the, the piece of paper. You can just, you know, flow and, and have a mature conversation with them. Um, every relationship is different. And some people are at extremes with... Uh, the pain and hurt that they feel in some of their relationships. And I found that this is a, a great way to try to open the door, to try to um, reconnect 
and frame what we want to say that increases the chances that the other person can really hear us. And it can be sort of disarming for the other person when we take responsibility for our stuff without, you know, throwing too much shade or shit onto them and to just say, hey, you know what, here's what's going on for me. I feel this. I felt this way when this happened and I've really struggled to work it out. And I'm having this conversation today because I'd like to do things differently. And, you know, I appreciate you hearing me out and listening. This does not guarantee that the other person is not going to react. It doesn't guarantee that they're not going to take things personally or that they're going to misinterpret what you're saying. Um, you know, as soon as we tar- start talking about our feelings and the honest truth of what's on our heart, on our mind, things can go sideways. And one of my mentors, Harville, says that for couples, talking is really the most dangerous thing that they do because listening is infrequent and we have a tendency to use negativity to try to get our partner to change. We can talk in monologue. We can go on at length, um, which can make our partner feel a sense of inequality, which is inherently negative and arouses anxiety. So... Um, I haven't gotten any negative feedback on this process yet. It seems to work really well. And we just need to remember that a lot of this work that we're doing, especially in our romantic partnerships, can be like psychic potty training. And we've got to learn how to hold it. We've got to learn how to manage this sensation in our body. We want to have this release. And we got to know that, hey, it's not always the right time and the right place to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some subtlety there and, you know, patience is part of that. But we always, almost always set ourselves up for failure when we bring our vulnerable reality to someone without asking for consent as to whether it's a good time. Mm. And again, that's about boundaries, you know? So how can we protect our heart? Yes, open. Yes, spaciousness, loving, um, you know, presence. But how, how can we bring the vulnerable reality that we've got, the hurts, the fears, the discomfort, in a way that also gives us a chance to really talk about it and work through it instead of, you know, being dismissed or um, violating someone's boundaries because we weren't actually curious about whether they are available and if right now is the right time. And for the romantic couples that live together, this happens all the time. You walk into the room and just start talking at your partner and they're trying to write an important email and and you just weren't attuned to that because you were so focused on this thing for you. And that can create tension and fighting and all kinds of difficult moments, but it's uh, always possible, I feel, to repair this stuff. And we got it. We got to be able to, you know, we got to be able to have some flexibility and resilience in our relationships to um, understand that little mistakes can happen. Uh, you know, if mistakes happen all the time, that becomes something else, but, oh man, you know, I'm really sorry I got it wrong today and that's not how I want to be. And then I'm going to go ahead and demonstrate some positive behavior change and show up in a way that helps create the shared vision that me and my partner or me and my friend have for our relationship. Out of listening to you throughout this show, I will say there's been a little bit of a a flow as far as the energy goes. 
whenever mm. we started talking, everything was very neutrality based. Like, here's our definitions. This is our classifications. Awesome. But then emotions get involved, like with every conversation. You just mentioned it. Talking can be dangerous for couples. <laughs> and you shared a beautiful, vulnerable moment. And I was able to also share. Thank you for that. And that is actually how I started. I was like, if this is okay, can I share something, you know, intimate or personal with you? Right? It's always mm -hmm. important to start out because you might have been like, I'm not your therapist, eh? And I would have been like, no problem. Let's move on, right? So, <laughs> but with that emotions and emotions go up and down. There was that tension that I felt in my chest. And then, you know, you kind of brought it back up. You're like, well, this makes sense. If we look at it this way and, you know, if we talk about it as far as like a family versus, you know, a child dynamic versus a romantic dynamic. So we got back to that neutrality type of feeling at the end but I really want to mention this and see this will probably be my last question for you until we get to tell everybody where to find you is what you just mentioned that last five minutes gave me kind of this elated feeling this hopeful feeling and often when you hear the word boundary you get tense like you know build a wall type of thing but boundaries actually give our relationships so much hope whether they're in dysfunction whether they've been broken whether you know there's been a divorce or a breakup like whether it's just you haven't talked to your parents in a while or you don't feel like you can communicate with your siblings if you can set healthy boundaries and be willing to go through the fire um another way to say is put your feet in the fire for a little bit to be able to like you know create something new purify with your partner or whoever you're talking to in this moment, it's actually a very beautiful experience, a very hopeful experience for your future. Does that resonate with you? Well, yeah, that's been my experience. You know, I found it to be very empowering to continue to expand my relationship with myself in terms of authenticity and self-expression and being able to communicate how I'm really feeling instead of going on struggling, wrestling with it day to day, talking about it over and over again with my partner or my therapist or people in my life, and to actually make an attempt to try to do something about it, you know, because it, it, it doesn't make us feel as helpless and as stuck. And some of these situations that, you know, I've been through, you've been through, that uh, we, we all know about these people in our life that are difficult that they don't show up in the way that we want them to, or they continue to hurt us with certain kinds of behaviors. We've all experienced that in some way. We've experienced that misattunement. Um, it's really difficult to deal with. So I, found it, I find it to be empowering to say, hey, there is a method. There might be a way out of the darkness. And maybe actually part of the path is to grieve the loss of this relationship because this person doesn't really want what I want. Um, we don't share the same values. And, and that's really hard. But ultimately, there is a spaciousness, I think, that comes with this and uh, a capacity to deal with life and to learn how to handle the uncomfortable moments. I love that. Absolutely. Because no matter how you're ending a relationship or how you're moving forward in a relationship, there's a recovery. At the end of the day, you still get to build 
self-confidence. You get to understand your yourself more, the authenticity of it. And that's pretty much what the Who Am I is about on the show. So thank you so much, Nick. Can you please share with everybody, how do we find you? I know you mentioned that download. How do I get my hands on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Nick Solacek and nicksolacek.com. That's really where I'm putting out most of my work. Um, I'm trying to post daily on Instagram with a little nugget of wisdom, relationship advice. And um, I continue to run groups for men, work with couples around the world to create heartwarming connections that thrive. I'm certified in something called Imago Relationship Therapy which is um, most people know by the famous book, Getting the Love You Want. So I'm a big preacher of that. It's made a big difference in my life. And if you got questions about my work, please reach out. Later this year, I'm starting my own podcast. So look out for that as well. I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. I've got one more question, but it's an important one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nick, solo check. I'm going to need Solo you check, yeah. To tell me two things that way we make sure that we find you first off where is that origin and then can you spell that for your instagram absolutely so nick n-i-c-k solacek s-o-l-a-c-z-e-k the name is originally russian solachenkov and my grandfather fled Russia due to some very difficult circumstances when he was a teenager and someone helped him change the name. Uh, many people at the time, I believe, were doing this who faked it to be Polish and got across the border. Later, he made it to Canada, ended up in Saskatchewan. And uh, for many years, he was paranoid and on the run and looking over his shoulder, uh, thankful that uh, we're living in a time where or at least my family's living at a time we don't have to do that. Um, blessed to live where we live. But yeah, the, the origin is Russian. I love the original name, Solichenkov. I've thought about changing it back because we don't have to hide. We're not on the run. Um, but for now, it's Solichek. And uh, I get to tell the story when people ask. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. Hi, everyone. Air here. Are you ready to start getting what you deserve? Be magnetic. Be able to sleep again. Have a healthier lifestyle. Make more money. Or how about having a healthy relationship? You are going to love this. I just launched the Polarity Masterclass. So if you're ready to step into your power, it's finally time. Step into your greatest chapter and start achieving more with less effort because if you feel like you deserve more then you probably do sign up for the polarity Masterclass through our website or find me on instagram at air kramer and get started today limited availability and it's just around the corner until then as always thank you for healing and growing with me today